0: friends this is cliff conite from equippers international thank you so much for listening to the podcast we want to lift up jesus and provide a place for you to learn more about him and to grow in your relationship with him if you find the podcast helpful feel free to share it with others we believe it will be a source of blessing and encouragement and you will be strengthened in your relationship with jesus Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Quipper's International Podcast, where we are studying the book of Romans, and we are in chapter three. We're in this very critical paragraph in verses 21 through 26, and I'm going to focus today on one simple phrase in verse 25. It's perhaps one of the most significant phrases that we'll deal with in the book of Romans. I know I'm kind of being a bit dramatic about the importance of this paragraph, but I just have to reiterate that it is the foundation of the gospel. It's the essence of what Paul's trying to communicate throughout this whole book. And so this is why I want to focus on this paragraph and just deal with it step by step and not rush our way through it. But there's one phrase in here that's going to serve as the topic of our episode today. And it's something that I want to deal with in detail. So we got a lot of ground to cover. So let's jump right in. Now, we looked in the previous episode where we talked about redemption and we talked about redemption being the forgiveness of our sins and how that's the foundation of God's response to mankind. It's the gospel. It's the good news that God has chosen in his mercy to forgive sins, to remove that which was in the way of his relationship with humanity. And he invites every person into this grace gift by giving them the opportunity to simply believe what he's done. And so how we respond to the fact of what God has done on behalf of humanity is what makes the difference. Now, let's look at verse 25. Paul says that Jesus Christ is the one whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Now, This is a very dense statement, we say, from a theological perspective. Now, one thing I do in these episodes is I try to steer away from a lot of theology, a lot of doctrinal discussion. But this is just one of those episodes, like it or not, where we're going to do a little more work on the theology side, just to give you some background, just to give some understanding, because it's important how we frame exactly what was happening as Jesus Christ was demonstrating on the cross as a sacrifice in his blood. This is exactly what Paul was talking about. Now, from a theological perspective, there's a lot of different ways that you can go in this discussion, and I can promise you that there have been volumes and volumes and volumes written about this one verse and people's opinions about what was actually happening on the cross. And I can tell you for sure in a 10 to 12 or 15 minute episode on this podcast, we're not going to be able to cover everything from every angle. But I am going to give you what I believe to be kind of the condensed version to get our head around what God was doing in Christ Jesus when he died through the sacrifice on the cross, because I think it's important. It's important for Paul. It's important for the apostles and their understanding of the gospel. And I think it will make a big difference in the way we live out our understanding of the gospel because it directly affects our relationship with God, how we're going to perceive our relationship with God, because ultimately what you believe about God is going to deeply affect how you live your life for God. Okay, so let's deal with some of this on a very practical basis. Paul said that God displayed Jesus publicly. Obviously, this is a reference to the crucifixion. He displayed Jesus on the cross as a sacrifice, and he uses this word propitiation in His blood. So there's language here related to blood sacrifice and specifically this word propitiation. Now, it's not a normal word that we'd use every day in conversation, but it's an important word and we want to look at it. So in order to understand this idea of propitiation, I want to spend a little bit of time and just talk about what we call theories of atonement. In other words, how do we understand what was happening when Jesus Jesus was making the actual atonement for the forgiveness of sins, for the redemption that we talked about in the previous episode. Now, there are many different types of allusions to the sacrifice of Jesus throughout the New Testament. The writers express different perspectives on what was happening. But in general, there's two pervading theories. The first is what we call the penal substitution theory of atonement. In this theory, there are those who interpret Jesus' sacrifice as primarily the appeasement of God's anger or God's wrath. Toward mankind. In other words, God was angry toward us for blowing the whole process, so to speak, and he needed something to take his anger out on in Jesus'. Takes That anger upon himself when he hangs there on the cross. And there's different reasons for why people believe this and they interpret different aspects of what is communicated in the scripture. I don't have time to go into all that, but just suffice it to say that the general view in this theory is that Jesus took the place of punishment on our behalf in regards to God's anger towards sin or toward humanity for his disobedience. Now, the second one is what we call the Christus Victor theory of atonement. In this theory of atonement, others believe that the sacrifice of Jesus was more about him making atonement for the sins of humanity by removing the power of sin and becoming victorious over it by taking the full effect of it. And that would be ultimately death because Paul's made it very clear that the wages of sin is death and the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So Jesus takes the effects of sin ultimately death, and being raised from the dead, he overcomes. He becomes victorious. There's other scriptures that make allusion to him overcoming the principalities and authorities and disarming the evil forces. So it's more of Jesus entering in to the scene of this cosmic battle by which the enemy and all the resources he has to cause man to fall into sinfulness, and ultimately Jesus comes as the one who is going to claim victory over those forces. So that's the difference between the two theories. Now remember we did look at the wrath in previous episodes. Remember in Romans 1.18 it says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. So we talked about extensively in that episode about how the wrath of God is actually toward The ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. It's not necessarily toward the men themselves and the second thing we talked about in regards to wrath is that wrath is not necessarily anger it's not the emotion of anger as we would think about it this is one of the problems that i believe happens when we start taking up wrong ideas about god's general disposition because a lot of people have grown up under the perception that god is somehow sitting in heaven and he's angry about everything and he's full of wrath he wants to take this anger out on something and Jesus comes along and he takes it out on his son instead of on us but now let me just make a couple comments about wrath and then we're going to go into more detail about pursuing an understanding of really God's disposition and what it was he was doing on the cross first wrath is what happens in our lives naturally from living in a state of being in opposition to God. Everything Paul's laid out to this point in Romans is that man has found himself in this place of disobedience, of idolatry, of living in the futility of his own thinking, of worshiping something other than God. And what happens as a result of that is all chaos comes in his life, and he falls into all kind of ungodly behavior, and then he suffers the consequences. And that whole experience can be defined as wrath it is a natural process and a place in which man finds himself when he's separated from the perfect glorious design of the father so this is one direction in which wrath works the second is god's wrath specifically would be his disposition toward those things that get in the way of his loving relationship with us. What we referred to just a moment ago about Romans 118, it's the ungodliness, it's the unrighteousness, it's the fruit that comes forth from a life lived separated from God that gets in the way of our relationship with God, and God has a disposition of wrath toward those things, and he wants to do everything in his his power to remove those barriers so that the relationship can be restored. So it's not so much that God is full and seething with anger towards humanity until Jesus dies on the cross and satisfies that anger. It's that God was loving and merciful toward humanity the entire time. And Jesus was set forth publicly as a propitiation in that God was doing what was necessary to remove what stood in the way of us in God, primarily our sins and all its consequences in our lives. So propitiation is something that God does for us. It's not something that we do for ourselves. We cannot propitiate ourselves. We can't set Ourselves right before God. Only God can do this. And Jesus' sacrifice did not curb God's emotional disposition toward us. His sacrifice removed the consequences of our sinful disposition towards God so that we could come back into relationship with this loving and merciful God. So He was the propitiation for our sins. Now, I've alluded to this idea of propitiation a couple times so far. Now, let's get down into the nitty-gritty, into the New Testament of what this word actually means. Now, there's several forms of this word in the original language, I'm going to throw a little bit of Greek into this episode. I don't do this very often, but I know some of you like the more technical approach to the study. So in its forms, there are six places in the New Testament that this word appears, four times in a noun form and twice. In a verb form. Okay, so we're going to step through and we're going to look at these verses. First of all, it appears right here in our verse that says, God displayed publicly Jesus as a propitiation in his blood. It's only used one more time in this form. The form is Hilasterion. It is the noun form, and it literally means the mercy seat or the atoning covering. And it's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, when the writer there refers to the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle. Now, you'll remember that in the tabernacle, the way God designed it, in the Holy of Holies, was the ark of the covenant and in the ark was the jar of manna and Aaron's rod that was budded and the scroll of the commandments and it was closed and over that were the cherubim's wings and what was called the mercy seat and this is where the blood was sprinkled on the day of atonement each year to make atonement for the sins of the people. So this is our word. So literally, if we want to trace it etymologically back to the Old Testament, this reference in Romans 3.25 could just as easily be read that God publicly displayed Jesus as a mercy seat in his blood. What a beautiful picture. It's that place where the blood was shed so that the sins of the people could be atoned for. So Jesus takes on the form of the mercy seat. It is the place where God's mercy is shown toward the sinfulness of mankind. Now let's look at two more references in different forms, in a noun form, but it literally has to do with the making of atonement as a sin offering. And in 1 John, there's two references. There's two times that John uses this word in chapter 1 and in chapter 4. In 1 John 1, verses 1 and 2, listen to what he says. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is The propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. There's our word again. Jesus is himself the propitiation. He is the atoning sacrifice. He is the offering through which sins were atoned for. And that's called being a propitiation. And then in first John chapter four, verse 10, it says in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So you see the motivation right here is so clear. God is motivated not by his anger to put forth Jesus as a propitiation for our sins. No, he's motivated out of his love and out of his love for us he sends his son to be the propitiatory sacrifice for our sins. Now, there's two verb forms of the same word, and that verb form is hiloskamai, and that means literally to be merciful. It is the act of being merciful. And in Hebrews 2.17 and in Luke 18.13, we see this. Let's look at Luke first. In Luke 18, there's a story that Jesus tells about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and they're both standing at the temple, and the tax collector is standing some distance away, and the scripture says there that he was unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but he was beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, the sinner. But the Pharisee was looking at him with disgust, and Jesus rebukes the Pharisee. But this word here, God be merciful to me, this is our word, this is propitiation. God be merciful, propitiate for me because I need your mercy. Now, in Hebrews 2, verse 17, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, Jesus had to be made like his brethren in all things. He's alluding specifically about coming in the flesh and being human and being tempted in every way as we are. And he goes on to say, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people there's the verb form to be merciful to our sins so what can we come to in our understanding of Jesus being put forth as a propitiation in his blood Through the process of Jesus dying on the cross, God was demonstrating his love for us. He was acting in love, setting forth Jesus as a merciful sacrifice on our behalf, where he meets the effects of sin head on and ultimately suffers the full impact of sin, which is death. And he then overcomes death completely. And as a result, he makes atonement for our sins and he removes the penalty and the effects of our sin, that is death. And he sets everything in right order between us and God. And this is the ultimate act of mercy. It is the propitiation that was taking place through Jesus Christ, God was offering us the greatest and most undeserved gift that could possibly be offered. And he offers it to those who will simply believe. So what Jesus was doing as a propitiation on our behalf was a merciful merciful act. It was the demonstration of God's love in its highest and most supreme way. And so as a result, we get to experience the full benefit if we will simply believe by faith. And he ends that little phrase, who God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. I just want to add this at the very ending thought, even Jesus going all the way Through what he had to experience, in order to take all the brunt of what sin had to offer upon his own body, he did it through faith. He persevered through the very end, and God was faithful to him, and he raised him up victorious. So now Jesus is our great high priest. He is the one that has made the greatest propitiation sacrifice, and we get to benefit from it. So I pray that you're encouraged in this episode and that you'll meditate on these deep truths that Paul is communicating in this wonderful passage of scripture. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more.